Do you love to read but struggle to see print? Bookshare is a nonprofit ebook library that makes reading easier for people with low vision or blindness. Members can read in ways that work for them with ebooks in audio, large print, and digital braille. Get unlimited access to over 1 million titles, including New York Times bestsellers, periodicals, upskilling books, and more. Bookshare is free for New York Public Library patrons or U.S. students with a qualifying disability. For more information, visit bookshare.org today. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Tuesday Topics. I'm Paul Edwards, and I'd like to uh, thank Larry Gassman for acting as our streamer this evening and and to welcome a a new co-host for Tuesday Topics tonight, Miss Natalie Byers Couch from Kentucky. Natalie, welcome. Glad to have you here. And tonight we're talking about an intriguing topic, or at least it's intriguing to me. Um, and I, I'm not sure exactly what the best way of framing uh, our discussion because there are a whole bunch of definitions that operate, and if we're if we're going to be strictly anthropological, um, it it gets kind of difficult to to measure things, and I and I don't want us to quite go there, <clears throat> but I do want us to ask uh, a pretty hard question. One of the ways that I thought of of framing this discussion is to actually read an article that's in the current Braille Forum, which, um, which I wrote, uh, which has to do with, with blindness culture. And it may kind of frame what we're talking about a little bit. So, um, so I think what I'm going to do is, is uh, at least read some of it if I don't read it all. So recently on the ACB conversation list, someone raised the question of whether it's appropriate to refer to people who are blind as consumers. The word consumer got compared with the word client, and there was considerable debate about which was the least pejorative of these two terms. The consensus seemed to be that both had some elements of inappropriateness as a way to describe a person who is blind and his or her or their relationship to the society in which we live. It has long been axiomatic that there is such a thing as disability culture, which is similar to other manifestations of minority status. There's much more debate about whether there is such a thing as blindness culture. Are there characteristics of the relationship between people who are blind and the rest of the society in which people who are blind live that are significantly affected by the attitudes and values of the people who are blind? If there is such a thing as blind culture, how does it manifest itself? Is it a good or a bad thing? Let's be clear right from the start that it is not sufficient to establish a culture to point out the differences that exist between one population and another. Blind people can't see, so they obviously have a culture. That doesn't work. I don't accept that, and I suspect that most blind people who think about who they are wouldn't either. 
There have to be some characteristics that infuse the way we interact with society or among ourselves that create a set of values that are different from those that other groups have and that are reinforced by the group we are a part of. Most of us who've worked with other disability groups have found it fairly easy to accept there is such a thing as deaf culture. People who are deaf have their own language made up of shorthand gestures, body movements, and facial expressions. That language has led to a belief widely held by people who are deaf that the isolation of deafness in-group bonding at boarding school and the rejection of the rest of society of many of the values that people who are deaf regard as crucial to their well-being all create a space where people who are deaf exist that they regard as dominated by their deafness. They're quick to say that they're not disabled, they're deaf. Folks who lose hearing later in life or who get cochlear implants or operations that allow them to interact with people who are deaf and the rest of society in non-deaf ways become a part of the outgroup and have lost some of the status they had in the deaf community. I don't think that blind culture is as pronounced as deaf culture is. However, it's worth asking whether it exists now, existed more in the past, and may in fact be disappearing. One of the characteristics of a culture is that it needs fertile ground to grow. Was that ground provided by residential schools, or to a lesser extent, blindness dominated homerooms in mainstream environments? Many who grew up in these environments felt a kinship with the others who they knew there. Many bonds were created that built a sense of inclusion in a group that was based on shared experiences and shared values. Members of this in-group would continue to meet after their school experience was over. They developed value systems that assumed norms that are different from those espoused by members of other groups. People who were part of blind culture could use pejorative terms to describe themselves like blinks, but would be insulted if outsiders use such descriptors. So this article goes on and, 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 and it continues to explore the issue, but I think what I wanted to do with providing this introduction was to suggest that it is, <clears throat> that it is um, somewhat complicated um, and, and not easy to define, and very much, I think, depends on, on, on where you are in, in terms of the way you perceive blindness. The way that the article ends, and, and the last thought that I'll share before I open it up to some discussion from folks, um, is uh, the, the, the article ends up suggesting that if blind culture exists, we ought to honor it and encourage it. And we ought to also uh, recognize it and use it um, as a valuable way of creating a sense of who we are. Um, you know, I, I, I'd like to sit, you know, we, we can talk a little bit later on how some of the other cultures operate. Certainly, certainly women 
in the last 40 or 50 years have come to a very different notion of who they are. Folks who are Black and uh, other minority groups, Hispanic folks and, and others, have all redefined themselves over the last 50 years or so and, and have come to regard characteristics of their communities as being important in determining who they are and what their values are. Um, if, if fine people can take advantage of this kind of situation, the question is, what would blindness culture look like? And um, if it's a good thing, how do we encourage it to evolve and develop? So anyway, that's the beginning. And now I'll shut up for a few minutes. Um, Natalie, do you want to go over the methods that folks are supposed to use to handle stuff and then recognize someone? Sure. I can do that. Um, so if you want to raise your hand um, on a PC, it is Alt-Y. Um, on a Mac, it is Option-Y. Um, and on a smartphone or tablet, it is um, in the middle of your screen in webinar. There's a big raise your hand button. <laughs> and um, on a um, phone with a keypad, it is star nine. Um, and we have seven hands raised right now, and we will start with um, Deanna. Miss Noriega. Okay, there I am. <laughs> um, I think there is a blind culture, and although on Sunday I was taking part in a living library event at my public library, I've done one before on Zoom where people from all over the world came and talked to human beings that were built in. <laughs> so um, I spoke to two different people about my life, and one of them asked, what is your dominant identity? Is it as a blind person or as a Native American? And I said, there really is no choice in it. The response from the general public is similar. And she said, how's that? And I said, well, you're either a saint or a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because either you're oh, that poor little blind girl or you're so amazing for getting dressed and getting out and holding down a job and raising your family. On the other hand, if you're Native American, you are all the, uh, usually presumed to be a person whose father drinks and beats their mother. You come from a broken family. Probably um, on drugs. Yeah. And... <laughs> So, going off to college when I did in 1968, I kept being mistaken for a scurchin because my hair had never been cut and it reached my knees. And I wore long skirts and moccasins. I often braided my hair and wrapped it. So, everybody thought that I was, you know, open season on free love. And I was raised as a master sergeant's daughter who had... Yeah very high principles because when I left the reservation, I owed it to my people to always conduct myself as a princess. Perfect manners, um, perfect behavior, even perfect language skills because my mother would penalize us if we used slang and heaven forbid you should ever use an obscenity because she said people judge you by how you talk. And if you talk trash, they're going to think you're trash. Mm -hmm. And so 
I was thinking a lot about it, but the things I do think that make us um, a culture is that we have a great deal for each other. We get it. We understand. Like, my skills were always pretty good. As I've aged, they've gotten less so. Um, my echolocation is a little flawed. My balance is a little flawed. But I used to be one of those kids that um, I didn't get cane travel till I was in college. And I went away mm-hmm. to get my first guide dog. And I could run in high heels. I could do lots of things that other blind uh, young people didn't do. But I did value the fact that my mother made sure that I was involved in Camp Bloomfield in California and went to the Junior Foundation formals and stuff because she recognized that I may have been considered cute and fun at school, but it was more like I was a pet and nobody was going to ask me to the prom. Nobody was going to ask me out on dates because they didn't think blind girls liked movies or liked to dance. Mm -hmm. And so the Junior Foundation gave me a chance to be a typical teenager and wear a pink formal and, you know, get asked to dance. And of course it was a lot of fun because they had all kinds of television and movie people that would come to our events. So I got to dance with uh, Don Black, uh, Don, uh, Dan Blocker one time, which was hysterical because I'm not very tall and he is. So I was coming up to about his belt buckle. <laughs> so, so younger folks may not know that Dan Blocker was Hoss on, yes, um, the Bonanza. on Bonanza. And he had a which, deep voice and he was a he very did. large fellow. Yeah. And of course, um, his way of relating to a very petite little blind girl was to tell me a joke about how he had a really strange dream last night that he was eating marshmallows and he woke up, he couldn't find his pillow. You know, so it was <laughs> kind of off the wall. But, you know, what do you do, say to a little blind teenager? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, uh, I think, staff. Support. I don't know what his role was on because they had two different show groups there. They had um, the Beverly Hillbillies and then they had Bonanza there that cool. dance. So, my very first formal. And one of the men came up and asked me to dance. And he came across as very gay because he said to me, oh, You're so beautiful. You're like a China Dresden figurine. And I'm going, um, Okay, because <laughs> <You know>, <laughs> I didn't know what to say because most of the time when people complimented me, I got the feeling they were just being nice, you know, because I couldn't look in a mirror, I couldn't make comparisons. Right. So I just figured that people were just being nice to the little blind girl because nobody asked me out, you know. They walked me to class and carried my big braille books and my braille writer for me, but they called me baby sister. So is is yeah. beauty is beauty less important in blindness culture than it is elsewhere, do you think? I think it's less important to us. Yeah. But I think that it makes life a little easier if you're an attractive person. Because I've noticed at conventions, I have volunteers all over the place coming up and asking if I need right. assistance. Right. But I see other people really struggling and nobody approaching them because they 
aren't presenting themselves well. Maybe they've got stained clothing or their eyes are shut and they move oddly or whatever. And, and they have their heads down and, and, and they, they don't look like they want help. They, 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 yeah, or they don't know the yeah. body language to ask for right. assistance, like right. standing in the middle of the hallway and turning your head from side to side like you're looking for something. <laughs> You know, those yep. kinds of things that were <laughs> holdovers are, from my time as a sighted child. What are some other elements of blindness culture, do you think, Deanna? Well, as I said, I have great compassion for my fellow blind person because I figured I aced in having an, an athletic ability, um, mm-hmm. balance coordination and excellent echolocation. And I had a family that supported me at home as the firstborn daughter. And I did everything the firstborn daughter was supposed to do because Uh she's mama's second pair of hands. So I got a lot of positive reinforcement for who I was. So when I went off to school um, and walked in and my sixth grade teacher came over and gave me a job of answering the classroom phone, um, she said, I just saw you sitting there and you look like such a little lost lamb. And I'm going, oh, crap, that wasn't what I wanted to look like. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, you know, that was part of being petite and having a little girl face. Yep. Now that I'm 73, I have younger people running up to want to take care of grand. <laughs> Which but, isn't a bad thing. No, it isn't. But it is, I can see it in the way they treat my my community that so i'm always open to helping somebody that wants some some information about what they need to to do about you know what kind of clothes to wear to a interview um you know that kind of stuff so i i'm taking it that you think that blindness culture is a positive thing and so yeah it's very supportive Yeah. yeah what what should we do to promote it well, I think we've done a lot with the community calls because mm-hmm. um, the, all of the, the community um, hosts are very careful to support everyone at the level they're at, whether they're mm-hmm. newly blind, whether they're, yep. um, they have learning disabilities, um, they have other um, conditions like cerebral palsy and their speech isn't clear. We're all patient with everybody and we welcome them. Because they are us. Do you and, think that that blindness culture is more prevalent among people who are born blind? I think it's they are a lot. They get a lot more negativism from a very early sure. age, so they end up with a low self esteem. But if they work hard and and are are good at something, they usually have a way out. If you're just a so-so person, it's hard to get a positive picture of yourself. And I always find something to say about everybody. Like, I love your laugh. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that that was a really great statement that you made, you mm-hmm. know, um, because people need to know that they're valued and we can do that for each other. We are good. Do we do a good job of inviting newly blind people into blindness culture or do we tend to make them fight their way in a little bit of both 
um, I think the younger the group, the more open they are generally. Um, yep. But the older generation that went to school together in blind schools have a kind of, um, they'll sit together and they'll look for their friends and they're not very welcoming to people they don't know because they're afraid of being rejected. Yep. You know, excellent. So Ms. that's it. <laughs> Thank you so I gotta much. Go. I'm going to go cut out and lie down. I took, I had my um, second booster yesterday for Ouch. my COVID booster. I'm running a little bit of a fever, so I'll maybe listen on the echo device in my room. Very good. But thank you for being here. I didn't I want to leave you it. with nobody to talk to. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> Miss Natalie. Yes. Um, we have Jane. Miss Delano, maybe? Yes. Sorry. Yes. Hi there. Okay. So I think culture is a life force and it's it's composed of every piece of our identity. I really appreciated what Deanna said about her intersection with being Native American and blind. But I think it's even more than that. I think we have to look at color that gives us cultural bias or habits. Mm -hmm. We have to look at age. Uh, we have to look at education. We have to look at gender. Um, and in today's world, in this country at least, all of those have a huge impact. And so people ask me, which is the piece of your identity which is the most informative to you? Um, and, and for me, that has depended on the age I am. Um, I struggled with blindness uh, growing up more because my twin sister and I were the only um, children who were blind in our family of five children. Then we were the only children who were blind at our grade school and high school. And so um, there was tremendous pressure to either cross bridges and make sense of the world as we adapted into it, or as we shoved it away and said, get out of my way, I'm going to do it this way, whatever it was. So, um, I, when I think about the blindness culture, I really have a great uh, respect for what ACB is doing in terms of its community calls. I think that's a great outreach. And I have, you know, personally invited a lot of people who, who are older and whose vision is changing to take a listen. And um, so I think, I think that's a huge, having a huge impact. But that's all right. I want to say for now. Very good. Um, uh, the only question I'd ask you is, is can, can you talk about some of the characteristics that you think are part of blindness culture? Just one moment. Let me, um, sorry, I thought she was done. Okay, Jane, you <laughs> should have your, you can unmute. You're back again, Miss Jane. I think we, 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 we thought you were done, and, and Natalie thought I was finished with you, so it's my fault. Suspense. Ah, well. We will go on. Who you got next, Miss Natalie? Um, next we have Melanie Holloway. Hi. 
Oh, hello, Mr. Paul. I'm glad to get this one. Last week I was Amazon shopping and I wanted that relationship topic. Um, <laughs> I, I have to agree with Deanna and Jane and your sentiment. I think there is definitely a blindness culture. And I know that the hearing impaired or deaf community really um, makes their culture known. And I think that we have a, we're not just going to kick someone out if, if their vision is restored or restored somewhat because right. it, it, they they know what it's it's like and they have the understanding and then maybe they can help us out you know and then they can use what and it's it's i think acv is that fertile ground that that, right. that has been planted because when we're i have that double understanding of being mainstreamed into public school but in a, a visually impaired program where there were probably mm-hmm. seven eight of us and the rest of the schools were cited and then going to the blind school from seventh grade up through 12th and that the differences and similarities in that either independence is is forced and any other needs are kind of not met because we just have to or everyone wants to help us and we may need help but it's it's like the help that you know there's not necessarily thought that we need and I find that as adults we are more it seems that that we're at times discouraged in having a culture because we have to, we don't, it's thought that we wouldn't want to make our, our visual impairments known or that we wouldn't want questions that would be offended and we're not. Mm-hmm. And it's going to help us if we talk about it more. And it's the understanding of accessibility issues or the use of a cane or a guide dog or speaking in braille code and things. I don't know how many people, you know, do that, but it's, it's I- specific to our, you know, and it's the multiple box divide of, any other, you know, disability that I'm a part of, it, it's kind of that same commonality. And it's exhausting to be parts of different groups at the same time. It's it's camaraderie and it's nice to have the understanding that people who have the same or similar conditions as I understand why particulars of situations are detrimental, whereas general society doesn't. And it mm-hmm. kind of forces me to go on because it's, I want to know who these people are who are so validating and that I get to validate. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I think those are those are good points, um, and I think different different um, elements of the blindness community um, see blindness culture in different ways. I think I think uh, though I haven't spent a lot of time there. I've certainly been to their conventions. And I think there's some there's some difference in the expectation that uh, the National Federation of the Blind has of blind people than 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 there are uh, that of those that ACB has. Um, and, and I, you know, I think the NFB, the NFB probably has a tighter code of conduct that they operate with um, for, for blind people. And uh, if people don't meet their expectations, it tends to be kind of rough for them. Whereas I think we do a better job of meeting people where they are. Would you agree with that? I would, you know, you don't have to be completely independent. It's okay if you have helpers and I find that we can help each other and not, yep, not force exactly. each other and be patient and, and figure out what works for us and take different suggestions. And I find that I can personally retain the information another another blind person either, right. you know, gives me or, or the hand over hand thing. And I've done the same for yep. others. And I, yep. I had dated a TVI back in 05 and she was not, you know, one to force independence and she would just I, I want to find you know this happy medium with my students I want, and it was really neat to hear her perspective and to get to you know speak with her there was a 15 hour time difference because she was in Guam mm-hmm. and she used to be an ACB member and it was just 
that nice. that validation to have the same condition and to meet within a mental mm-hmm. health, you know, support yep. email list. And it was just, it was fascinating to get that experience. Yep. <laughs> now, do you find it, and this is my last question, I'll let you go, dear one, is, do you find it, um, do you find it difficult to adjust to multiple disability groups? Because I know, because you said before that you're involved in some, with some mental health issues some of the time. Um, do you find it hard as to which group to identify with? I do. It's kind of like, I think we all experience this where you have to become a chameleon and fit in where you are and where you have to at the time, sometimes on the spot impromptu. And it's also the idea that, you know, I've got, I've got hand conditions. I just had a test today. I've got heart condition. I've got, you know, high blood pressure, yep. things that I don't really make known that could take me before my own hand mm-hmm. wouldn't any of these. So it's that divide. And of course the LGBT thing. And I, as much yep. as I go on about not wanting to be in boxes, I think that the box or the culture is necessary at times. And I think yep. we should be the ones to decide when we need to be in, when we need to not, because there is yeah. value to that understanding. Great. Miss Melanie, thank you so much for thank being you. here. And thanks for sharing. Thank you. Miss Natalie. We have um, Lynn Coral. Hey, Lynn, our PhD person from Washington. Sorry about that. It took me a minute. And I would have been on here last week, but I'm planning my uh, webinar for Sunday, as you might know. Um, so with the Holocaust survivors, it's the children of Holocaust survivors, actually. But you, you, I, you can t- you can stop for a second and tell okay. folks a little bit about that if you want to. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, yes, we are having three uh, blind women. They just happen to be women, uh, but um, they are um, who are children of Holocaust survivors, and um, it's going to be in a webinar format. It's going to be at 8 p.m. Um, Eastern and 5. PT and uh, 7 o'clock Central, and uh, it's going to be on ACB Media. I don't know what stream they're going to put it on, but I wanted it to be on there so that more people could access it. Um, Probably five. I suspect I, I suspect it would be. And also, um, it's going to be on webinars so that people who are like Holocaust deniers can't just shout out. and We'd have more control over the uh, participants. Nice. So it's going to be really great. We already have questions. We met last week, which is why I had to leave early. And we're, leave, we're meeting right after this meeting to uh, they kind of not exactly do a run-through, but something like that with the three three nice. panelists. And Meryl, Meryl Schechter and I are the co-facilitators. So that's it. Nice. So question, yes. doctor. Yes. Yes. Is there such a thing <laughs> as blindness culture? There sure is. And one of the things that um, actually I met with my chair today and she's learning so much from me. It's like funny, you know. I mean, she's really learning. She's an expert. I mean, she's an expert. She knows what she's doing in the dissertation. Uh-huh. But she's learning so much because I'm telling her about the the stigma, the stereotypes, the gatekeepers, the legal structures, uh-huh. all these things that I'm going to use in my dissertation. And, you know, even when I've looked, I said, well, I probably haven't looked globally at every darn study or whatever it is. But every study has not included women, has not included, you know, um, blind women specifically. So, you know, I think it's going to be a great study. And, you know, so she, I, I really worked hard on the theoretical concept, construct last week, social construction theory. But but basically, it's all about how institutions label us. And, 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 and kind of it kind of forces us into a culture, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. Because when we're isolated, when we are told that we're whatever we are, when, yeah. especially as born from, you know, when blind from birth, like me, premature and a twin. Um, sure. 
I think that um, you know we we had our parents had certain ideas about us, and they were afraid of of what we what we could do, what we yep. couldn't do. When I yep. was in seventh grade, I was told that. We, I had to be grateful to everybody, and I could never, 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 never get angry at anybody, any sighted person, because they were just trying to help. And I go, Are you kidding? You know, I mean, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I mean, even in seventh grade, you got these silly ideas from sighted people about how you should behave, how you shouldn't behave, and all that kind of stuff. So I think that, um, you know, the blind culture consists of, I'd say, behaviors. Um, I think a lot of times the way that we find people is talk loudly. Hey, 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 Joni. Hey, Johnny! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, in, instead yep. of eye contact, right? And and that's part of the culture, you know. And even hearing the 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 tapping of canes and dogs, and I've done both, you know, um, is is part of blind culture. Part of blind culture, how how we talk to each other, what we talk about, that we are our braille readers. And and my synagogue just got a braille reconstructionist book from JBI International. Um, nice. So, you know, because they wanted me to have access and stuff like that. So I think that, I think people do so, sort of consider us a, an anomaly. And I've, I've always told my dad, I'm kind of an, I'm an, I'm an anomaly. An anomaly. And, and I think because we're a low incidence disability, it forces us to be together, especially in guide dog classes, in rehabilitation centers, uh, in, in ACB even. And I've been in ACB for many, many years. So I think that, you know, I think that it kind of forces culture on us. And I think that people are tribal anyway, so we tend to be tribal and cultural. That's what I think. Is it a is it a good thing? Well, I think it's a mixed bag. Uh, I think it's a good thing if we choose it, but a lot of times we don't choose it. A lot of times it's chosen for us, you know. So I think it's a good thing most of the time. I mean, I think that's so, really, you know. So sorry. we're treated we're treated like like a minority and 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 in particular ways um, yes. by the rest of society and that Correct. and that creates a set of values for us but right. but Correct. but in response um, in response we 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 develop a set of values of our own yeah yeah we 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 set it, we set our own values like we do at ACB and we also because and then the society sets of values for us about what we could do, who we could do it with, and how we could do it. This this brings me back to the topic of last week. I right. do think uh, relationships with blind people are better for the most part, although the first blind person mm -hmm. I was with was a, a kind of a creep, but nevertheless, <laughs> the father of my child. But nevertheless, um, Sandy and I were together for 23 years, so that was pretty darn good. And, was. you know, I, I think that, um, I think relationships are hard. I think that they're, they're harder... And I don't think you talked about this last week, but I suspect I, I would have. Bl for blind women, I think it's much harder to have relationships than blind men. I don't know why, but it just is that way. I think. So yeah, I think, I think it's harder. I that's that's a that's a good question for a future yeah. program. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Doctor, so. good luck with Sunday. <laughs> thank and, you. And and thank you for doing the Jewish hour. That's very exciting. Yeah, thank you so much. Yep. Take care, Miss Lynn. All right, next we have um, Pam Coffey. Miss Pam. Hello. Uh, Hi there. Yes, is there a blind culture? Oh, yes. And if you don't believe it, try calling customer service when you're having difficulties <laughs> with something. And they're going to say, uh, click the red button. Uh, do a certain 
such and or, such. Or, and, or do, you, do you have a sighted person who can look at the screen? Or do you, yes, <laughs> yes. And the answer is no, no, and no. Uh, do you use a mouse? No. No. Do I do, you know, and, and the thing is, they don't get it. Uh, they don't get it. And even when. Yeah, but, but that I'm, doesn't. That's not doesn't make it a culture, though, Pam. Well, maybe. Well, yeah, it, it does to the extent that um, the way we perceive the world ah. is just a bit different. And the way we communicate how we perceive the world. Uh, granted. We don't use sign language, as nope. most of us don't. It, those that are hearing impaired might, but um, yep. do you think do you think there's a special way we communicate that's cultural, Miss Pam? I think yes, because we don't tend to point at things. We don't. We we don't. Good point. Be, because we can't see that. Joe is across the room from mm -hmm. us, as one of the previous people said. Yep. We have to yell, Joe, are you uh -huh. over there? <laughs> uh, and, and, and the worst one is you're in a, a group of people. You are in a conversation with someone, or at least you thought you were in a conversation with someone. <laughs> and unbeknownst to you, they walk away. Uh -huh. And you're talking to dead air. And the thing is, I'm one of these people that has always lived in a way in both cultures because I went through public school all the way through. I did go to college. I did not major in a blindness uh, area. Area, right. I majored in psychology, and technically you're supposed to be able to do most anything with that. Um, and I still uh, circulate in both cultures. But what I am finding as I get older, and I'm up there, I'm, you know, um, I'm a senior adult. And what I am finding as I get older, and I know other sight impaired and blind people who would agree with me, and that is that as we get older, we the uh, sighted community, quote unquote, tends more to view us not only as as sight impaired slash blind, but because we are older, it is assumed that we are possibly a little senile. Uh, definitely not as um, skilled as most other people, not as capable. They assume that every time we take a step, we're going to fall, and they assume this, and they assume that. And the older I get, the more of that I gets thrown at me. Now, are uh, there are there cultural components, Miss Pam, that? That that causes us to operate with. I mean, do we tend to withdraw from those folks if that happens? Do we tend to uh, 
Do we tend to be belligerent to them? Do we tend to sit back and take it? What is our cultural response? I think it depends on the where it's coming from, mm-hmm. because I tried with a with one particular person uh, when she kept throwing that in my face. Um, I reminded her. I, I said, "Now you told me a while back that your mother went blind toward the end of her life." Uh, now, I never knew this girl's mother. I don't mm-hmm. know what her, her uh, mental capacities were at the end. Uh, but the truth, finally, after a very long time and much, many headaches dealing with this, the truth finally came out that her mother was legally blind. She still had a fair amount of vision and that in itself can cause problems if you're sort of halfway in between you have a fair amount of vision and you you have a hard time fitting in either culture but but uh the girl that i knew could not fathom that there is a difference between being legally blind and still having at least some degree of vision and being totally blind, totally blind right blind since birth there's a huge difference can can be an enormous difference there and i think that's why people who lose their sight later in life and especially those who were fully sighted until boom it happened overnight practically they have a harder time dealing with and becoming a part of the blindness culture Got it. Ms. Pam, because thank so you very much. Thank you. Thank you, you so do much. do appreciate very it. Thank you. Topic. Yep. Thank you. Ms. Natalie. Next, we have John McCann. Hey, John McCann. It's interesting. Oh, we I have there. 38 folks out here. So, so oh, I'm Lord. excited. Thank you so much for all of you being here. Hey, John. Hey, how goes it? Am I in there? You are. Okay, good. Just- let me turn this down so we don't get interrupted. Uh, great topic. I'll own having maybe instigated it in a comment I made last week. So <laughs> exactly. Glad, glad to have helped. You know, glad to have helped. Yep. You know, I, I think in order to have any sensible discussion on this topic, you have to define your terms. Yep. Um, and, you know, I looked up, I did some research at definitions of culture. Boy, there are a lot of them. The A lady gave me 11 this morning. The yep. one that resonated as a springboard here would be, uh, well, why don't I just hit this button here to remind myself? <laughs> oh, no. Let me find The sum total of ways of living built up by a group of human beings. And that's the one that came closest to my working definition, you know, when I talk about a blindness culture. It's a group of shared experiences. And, of course, if you've had those shared experiences for a substantial part of your life, that means you were dealing with blindness for a substantial part of your life, in many cases, from birth forward. At least that was, you know, the case. I went to um, Lavelle School for the Blind. Now, that wasn't a residential setting. New York having the population density that it does, it did, in fact, have two schools for the blind, the New York Institute for the Education of the Blind. Now it's the New York Institute for Special Education. 
and the Lavelle School for Blind Children, as it was known. And, and you know, most of the people at those two schools were uh, day students. Again, the population density being what it was. But I was in a segregated, if you will, educational environment up through eighth grade. And then by my own choosing, I was very, um, very much wanted to be mainstreamed after that. And that was very successful. I had a great time. And as, as a matter of fact, I count my high school years as uh, about the happiest time in my life, which is not to say other times were not so happy. I mean, there were periods where my life wasn't going so well. But, but you know, best years of my life, as I always say, when Emily and I talk about high school years, that wasn't true for her. It, it was for me. And that's interesting because that was when I think I was certainly the most in the most integrated setting. Um, of course, in college, it was also an integrated setting, but I did tend to hang out with some of the other blind students that were there, but we had lots of sighted friends. It wasn't an exclusive thing. Uh, law school, well, you know, there weren't too many people at Harvard Law. There was probably one blind person per class back from 1977 to 1980. Um, but where am I going with all this? It Coming back to like shared experiences and also... Um, maybe the flip side of that, some of the things that we really can't share and don't resonate with us because our lives were atypical uh, in terms of some of the experiences that we weren't able to have. The whole, well, body language, let, let's talk about language. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't surprise anyone why there is such a thing as deaf culture because one of the first things you talk about with respect to a culture is language. Uh, take any course, take German in high school, take French, take Spanish, take whatever. Um, you're going to spend some time just learning about the culture of, of the people who are speaking the language that you're learning. Um, or even here, here's a perfect example. It shouldn't surprise anybody that Native Alaskans uh, have like 57 words for snow. For snow, right. Yeah, and where, where we accommodate that by well, powdery snow, grainy snow, slushy snow, you know, we, we accommodate that with modifiers, but snow is such an omnipresent uh, part of their existence that it ordains language. It, it controls or highly influences language. And the one thing that's always struck me as, I, as I've aged, or even through my, you know, mid-years, and I'm 67 now, but... <sighs> As a general statement, I've always felt more comfortable in settings of blind people and sighted people. And in trying to analyze why that is, I think some of it is the absent, you know, not being able to read body language, you know, they, you know, rolling their eyes or doing this, that, the other stuff is, you know, I'm, I'm only getting maybe 70% of the quote language, close quote, that's going on. And at least in settings of blind people, I don't have that to worry about because other blind people, especially if they're congenital, aren't engaging in body language. And yeah, well, and and, e and even if even if they are, they're they're missing just as much as you are most. Exactly. Time. So there's yeah. there's no there's no percentage in trying to to do that, even if it's even if it's unconscious. So do we substitute other things for body language? Uh, yeah, I think. Again, you know, generalizations have their limitations, but I think a lot sure. of blind people are hyper-articulate. You know, the old saw, a picture is worth a thousand words. If pictures aren't part of your reality, perceiving them, et cetera, then uh, when I describe things, 
I almost risk talking down to people. So, and and do you think do you think that that we tend to use tone of voice more than people who who are not blind? Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, but but how that's just a really is, is it conscious? Is it cultural or is it happenstance? God, that's a great question. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I don't either. <laughs> I, you see, if, if it's important to me that my message be conveyed, then I will probably not so much rely on tone of voice, but be very explicit in what I mean and what yep. I don't mean. Because I, I can't use more general language and let body language carry the rest of the message. Yep. So I can't do what, that. So, you know, say what you mean and mean what you say. One last question. To, oh. Is is blindness culture a good thing or a bad thing? And if it's a good thing, what should we do to promote it? I think it's neutral. I think it's that that's like saying, um, you know, I'm an Irish Catholic. Okay, is that good or bad? Well, it's got its good points and it's got a bad. It's got its bad points. It is what it is. Um, and, and I think we can even use terms like culture with a small c or subculture, because I'm not just a blind person to the exclusion of everything else. I mean, the fact yeah. that I'm a blind person certainly ordains and controls. Pam Coffey gave a good example, yeah. you know, about the computer. Um, uh, that's just sort of a subcomponent of the overall. I mean, the way we deal with a lot of fairly routine life activities um, today, interacting with a computer is a fairly routine life activity. And it is for blind people with good computer skills good overall blindness skills, but the way we do it is so materially different that sighted people just don't get it. And yep. immediately when somebody on a, on, a, uh, on a call like she describes, I say, look, I'm a totally blind person. Please tell me the words that are in or to the right of the blue box that I'm supposed to click on. And I'll take it from there because I'll use my screen reader's find command, type the phrase in, it'll wrap me to where I, I need to be. But you know, what I'm saying and being that hyper articulate with the customer service rep is I'm not right. going to click on the blue box because I don't know where the blue box is. And my screen reader doesn't really tell me that unless I've really hyper configured it uh -huh. to, to show me what colors are where. Uh, and I don't care where on the screen it is. I don't care that it's in the upper right or the uh, middle of the page or lower left. Uh, I just need to know what the text is. Um, but sighted people, they, you know, they, they click on the blue box or the red arrow. And we know so that. It's, so it's interesting. I want to I, I, I wanna finalize what you're saying is, in, in effect, you're not sure that, that blindness culture is strong enough to, re, to be regarded as a culture in itself and may just be a subculture or a relatively small part of who we are. Well, it can be a small or a big part. I mean, I mean, I know people who went to residential schools and they're almost like, you know, they'll, they'll do anything that they can to not interact with sighted people. I think it's a very narrow way to live. And yeah, interacting with sighted people has its own stresses because they're freaked, out by, the, they're freaked out by the fact that they're interacting with a blind person. They're so afraid they're going to say the wrong thing and their stress level imparts itself or conveys itself to me. And I'm saying, boy, is this interaction really worth it? Yet I think it's very limiting, you know, and, and, and right now I've dialed it back a little bit with ACB because there's a very rich community of musicians here in Tucson I'd like to get involved with. And shocker of shocks, the stereotype notwithstanding, most of these musicians in Tucson actually do have sight. <laughs> so, you know. John, thanks for your feedback and thanks for calling in.
Sure. Excellent. Miss Natalie. Um, David Trot. <clears throat> Mr. Trot, sir. Hello. Great topic, Paul. Uh, How are I was, you? I was excited. I put off a couple of meetings to be here tonight because no, I want nice. to hear what other people had to say. You know, I think that a blindness culture is a definite. And I think that it's evolved over the years uh, from say the, you know, the early prior to early seventies uh -huh. residential schools were 95% plus of all blind people went to residential schools. Uh, they lived, uh, I'll change my wording. I, I was going to say cult like, but, uh, I like tribal better. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was more of a tribal so. experience. Yeah. And, and we didn't accept sighted people, uh, as a general rule. Now, as those of us who went to college, even, uh, for example, a lot of the Alabama people went to Gadsden State Junior College to start because that's where all the blind people were going. Mm -hmm. uh, then we get into the early residential school uh, times, and those people were kind of alienated. They didn't have the tribal mentality that the residential school people did. You're talking about the early mainstream folks. Right, the early mainstream folks. Yep. And then we, we get into the era when assistive technology came along and we could communicate and then email and the internet and all that. I know some people today don't know that they didn't exist back then, <laughs> but they really didn't. Uh, you know, it was an open communications where everybody was kind of equal unless you told them you were blind. So the mindset of the, of the culture, I think, changed somewhat. But, but I think even today, you still have a more visible comfort level among blind people being together right? than, than you do. I know I've been out. Of course, I've always been kind of shy, you know, and didn't talk much. That's so, right. Yeah. But, but a lot of blind people realistically are. And, you know, they, they don't get out. And then all of a sudden, they find their niche and their voice and they really fit fit in better in in the sighted world but they're still a part of that blindness culture you know the way we read is different the way we the way we cook is different you know everything that we do is somewhat different and it's related to our vision you you implied when when you were talking a few minutes ago <clears throat> that changes in blindness culture had occurred over time do you think that blindness culture is less pronounced now than it was? No, I, th I think now it's becoming more pronounced because people are, are comfortable with their blindness. I think it went from a level, you know, when, when mainstreaming first started, there was really a lot of uncomfortable kids going to school. There was. You know, and, and as adults, when they went to college, they were still uncomfortable because they missed a lot of the social interaction that we all got in and a lot of those room. and a lot of those kids didn't want anything to do with blindness organizations or blind people either right and, but and but the situation now is i think the situation now is people are far more comfortable uh there's there's a lot of equalizers out there uh you know we all complained to ourselves about our assistive technology and uh, it's flaws, 
But in all, it's, it's really put us on an equal play, playing field in a lot of employment areas, in, a, in the college area. I know when uh, I went to the University of Phoenix back in the early 2000s, um, you know, none of my class other than the instructor knew I was blind. And I, we worked as teams and, uh, you know, it, it was it was a different experience altogether. But the, the blindness culture today, I think, is filled with more confidence than it has been in the past. I think that's a good thing. Mr. David, thank you very much. Yes, Paul. Thank you for the topic. It's great. Appreciate calling, your calling in. Miss Natalie. Um, next, we have Cindy Hune. Hey, Cindy. I don't know that I know you. Hello. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Um, I believe that there that there is definitely a a blind culture because um, even even among you know other uh, challenges like deafness or whatever, there would still be a separation because I went to a school for the deaf and blind, and I'll tell you, we had we had our culture. In fact, we were so against each other, we would stay away from each other at any, yeah. you know, any possible time we could do it. And yeah, and uh, I don't believe that that's right, you know, but I believe that now things are getting better because of things like, a, you know, ACB, I love the ACB community um, oh, yeah. because it's 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 more fun. There's more education as far as not just for blindness, but for other yep. stuff. And you know, and it's uh, and they give us the chance to participate. You know, it's not just the leaders that are doing it. That's such a good yeah. point, Cindy. Thank you. That's that that's really excellent. Do you? Um, do you do you have any idea what some of the characteristics of blindness culture are? Um, well, I think it used to be that you know we we just wanted to to hang out with each other, yeah, you know, and and, oh. and we felt comfortable with with our own. You know, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it was hard to to um, accept another person you know that was different than we were yeah easier to get easier to, to deal with folks of your own kind rather than others yeah yep i get that and i think that's a, a very important part of the in culture as they used to call it in my sociology classes mm -hmm. that's excellent miss cindy thank you so much for your call thank you mm -hmm. Next, we have area code 407, ending in 768. It's an Orlando person. 407. Evening, Paul. Hey there. This is Shirley. How are you? Um, I'm okay. How are you doing this evening? You sound absolutely wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, Ms. Roberts, what do you think of this blindness culture stuff? Well, I think there is a blind culture, very much so. I think in some cases, um, 
such as what we've been going through with the pandemic and everything, that it's a good thing because I think people in this organization really needed it, um, especially those who have been isolated or those who were at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I needed it and I'm not, you know, completely isolated. Um, right. I do have a spouse, so I'm not by myself, but it's definitely mm -hmm. been helpful for me, especially during the times that we were, um, you know, not getting out at all during the beginning. I, I'm not sure for the most part that I think it is a good thing, though. Um, I, I do think so in certain situations. But I can't say always yes and always no. But What, what, are, um, what are some of the bad you know, things, do you think, Shirley? <clears throat> I think the bad things are is that, you know, I was, I started out, for instance, in a regular um, public school, but it had a resource room, if uh -huh. you're familiar with that terminology, where, yep. you know, we were taken in and taught Braille and all that stuff. And then later I went out into a public school and I had an itinerant teacher who came in and worked with me from time to time. And then I went to the school for the blind and then I came back home and graduated. That's the, the short uh -huh. form of the long story. And, you know, the, the thing is, um, when I came back to the school with sighted kids and then had to go out to college and all that kind of stuff, I don't really feel I was prepared for it. You know, during the time that I was at the School for the Blind, I was in every kind of extracurricular activity right. um, that existed. And that was great. It was wonderful for me at the time, but I didn't know how to put myself, um, you know, back in with so, kids who weren't blind. I know yeah, I wasn't so really all that well accepted before I went to the yep. school and once I came back it was you know a real problem for me because yep. I was used to that culture with the blind kids and I know mm -hmm. a lot of us developed you know blindisms and things like that that we didn't always get um you know corrected for and because of the way we interacted with other blind kids you know when you come into a sighted community you're not sure how to act and people aren't sure how to react to you. So in some ways, um, I mean, you know, my life was great during that time, but in some ways I might've been better off to have stayed in the sighted community where the rest of my life was going to need to be uh -huh. for the future. Um, you know, and learned how to interact with those people better. So, um, I don't know. So I, I think it's a very yeah. interesting dilemma. So I guess my, my my last question to you then is, do you think that um, ACB should consider blindness culture? And, and, and if so, how should we treat it? Um, I think that we should continue um, to do what we're doing as far as all our uh, community yep. calls and yep. and uh, so on and so forth, but I don't know. Maybe maybe once um, 
things are uh, a little bit better, you know, that we are starting to get out in the world more, um, you know, maybe, maybe it would be good to have some, some topics and have people come into our meetings and things like that, that are talking about stuff that don't always have to, to do with, uh, blindness and interesting and yet other people interacting with us yep. more and get us interacting more with them cool but i don't want us to drop what we're doing i think it's it's very very important um you know to many of the people in the blind community yeah miss shirley thank you so much thank you appreciate sir. it yep miss natalie um next we have peter it does not have a last name so Hey, Peter. All right, sorry about that. I was across the room. Can you all hear me? Yes. You can, Peter. Okay. Thank you, Paul, for, for hosting this topic. Mm -hmm. And I wanna uh, briefly talk about how I know there's such a thing as blind culture. I was raised totally apart from blind people. Um, it's not totally true, but for the most part, I was raised totally apart from blind people until I graduated from college and got my first guide dog. And I went to um, guide dog school, which, of course, consists of 12 uh, at that time and still is uh, well, until the virus had 12 uh, blind folks. And, of course, the training staff and we were all there to get our first dog. And I was totally um, surprised by how things were done among other blind people that I just wasn't used to doing. And most of it had to do with using your voice to tell people where you were and also following certain guidelines. Now, I don't think this is, is nearly as much as it was now, but we were disciplined if we walked down the wrong side of the hall. I think if you, you, know, if you didn't walk down the right side of the hall, you were in danger of being ostracized because you, you were, and, and it made good sense why, because Folks were, if you were walking on the right side of the hall, people were walking on the left side of the hall, you'd run to each other, you know, and especially when you have dogs. So it all made sense, but I was like totally not prepared for sort of the use of voice, the, um, uh, and the expectations. Um, and so that really sort of surprised me. And I didn't handle it very uh -huh. well, embarrassed to say, um, you know, I was a young brat who just graduated from an Ivy League school. I thought I had it all figured out. Of course, I didn't. And I now know I didn't. And I still don't. But that that was um, something that was a real, real surprise and a shock to me. And then the second time uh, I noticed it was different was, was when I went to my first candle in the window conference, which is uh, sort of the way I describe it is the only retreat organized for blind people, by blind people. And um, the theme of that culture was, the theme of that retreat was blind culture. And it was, a, it was an interesting experience for a number of reasons. Essentially the same basic things. Uh, voices were really, you know, uh, communicating, uh, you know, rather than, you know, looking at people where it was just, it was just a very different thing. And in fact, I remember flying back from uh, the conference on, on an airline and the flight attendant made it some kind of speaking gaffe. And my immediate response was to make some verbal comment about it, which, of course, was totally <laughs> appropriate uh, in a sighted culture. But that's I was so used to doing that by sort of this call and response thing that I, um, I, I thought, OK, I'm no longer in this culture. I need to flip back to what I'm, you know, to my normal way of doing business. So. Um, you know, do I think, and one more story, um, when I was at an ACB convention 
uh, a friend of mine was talking to another uh, friend that he knew, talking about his experiences at School for the Blind. And they, they were, it was as if they were talking a different language. I had no idea what they were talking about. It, um, it was really weird. You know, and they, were, they obviously knew what they were talking about. They were having a great conversation. I was totally lost. And uh-huh. I chose to do something else. I went to, a, you know, to just wander the room or do something else. So, <laughs> so, so here, so I've been thinking about this whole thing about culture. I'm not sure there's any sort of common ways we do, we, we, I mean, uh, it's common values per se, but I do think we have common issues and, and, and what binds us is how is, is, is our understanding of these issues and, and how we deal with them. And Paul, I sent you an article about um, inspiration uh, from Forbes that came out. Um, and what I found really interesting about it was this, this, this person with the disability culture thing was talking about, okay, you need you folks without disabilities need to understand that we find a lot of what you say to us is that you think is inspirational is unhelpful because you're sort of talking about saying things like, Oh, you're so amazing as disabled people. And, um, and, you know, uh, speaking for me, I get this all the time. I don't, I never quite know how to respond. I still don't quite know how to respond. I have thoughts about it, but, uh, and, and um, so, and this of course is one of those things that I, I suspect we, we all experience in one, one way or another. And part of what we do with these ACD conventions and conferences is that we talk about this kind of stuff, either informally over a beer or, um, or whatever you know we, we more, more often than not informally over a beer these yeah. days maybe, yeah. maybe that should be different but <clears throat> let be, because of who you are um and and for those who don't know peter peter is a publisher of blogs and and has turned those blogs into a number of books and his blogs look at at a whole range of topics and 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 what some of those topics include is is uh, different kinds of culture, whether whether they're different kinds of Christian culture, whether they are uh, black culture, whether they're whether they're women's issues, whether they're disability issues, and so uh, Peter essentially is in a position to to be able to answer the question that I'm about to ask him. I think, uh, and 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 that question is: uh, Is there enough in the blindness community? Um, to justify talking about um, it being a culture, but then more importantly, even if there isn't, should we actually be promoting something like it? Somebody, uh, you asked somebody else a question: um, Is the culture as strong as it was um, back? Uh, you know, say then, say thirty years right. ago. Right. And I think the answer to the question is no. And right. uh, when I, because when I speak to lots of younger blind folks and disabled folks, they, they come from a very different, they come from a place that I was, which was, uh, you know, right. they, they don't know that many right. disabled people and, you know, our scholarship winner uh, for Friends in Art, you know, right. was totally mainstreamed. Uh, it, you know, she's in a very elite art school uh, and she has a disability and she, but, but, you know, and she has things she needs to do with, but she doesn't have much experience. With disabled people. So, for example, when uh, we interviewed her for the scholarship, she was totally amazed that we blind people did what we did. You know, it just was totally she was right. totally not connected with. So I'm not sure the culture is as strong as it is. And I also think that, you know, people sort of talk about the blind culture such as it is as sort of a very positive thing. I don't think it's always positive. 
and I can share a story if you want about the negative side of it, but, but I'll leave that out for the moment. So, um, and the other thing, and there is the good news is that this is not just black culture. It's other minority groups. They, they are, there's a lot more intermarriage than there used to be between, you know, various cultures. And so that's, that's a real, I think that's by and large a really good thing. Um, You know, more blind folks, I don't know what the stats are, but I, my, my suspicion is that more blind folks are marrying sighted folks you know, on, a, on a more equal level than used to be the case 30 years don't, ago. Don't know if that's the case, but let me put this to you. Sure. The black cultures, um, women have identified characteristics that, that are part of their cultures and, and have actively sought to promote and expand their recognition within their community. My reaction to that is, I, I know what you're saying is true, but I, I wonder if the issue isn't so much the, the, the values, but the, but the shared experiences they experience as black people, as women and reacting to them and, and being a support system to deal with those issues. Um, and I think that's, that's the, that's the strength of any, right. any subculture. It doesn't matter what the subculture is. You know, uh, lawyers have to deal with I, this is a, you know, if you talk to, if you know, I've been to a couple of lawyers conferences and one of the things they always talk about is, you know, people don't understand us. They hate us because we, you know, but we, they shouldn't hate us because, you know, we, 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 we promote justice, you know, you know, you, you, you know, the, I'm sure you know the basic thing. And, and my basic response when I had these conversations with lawyers, is, Hey, you speak legalese, we speak English, you know, and that, it's huh? that kind of thing that, um, and and the the other thing that really makes makes cultures really work is if they're what they what the the term is boundary spanners those folks who are half in and half outside the culture involved who can communicate you know uh, what our concerns are or what our values are or whatever it yeah. is to the wider culture and every culture needs people like that. Um, I think somebody said earlier that virtually all of us are part of a, a whole bunch of different cultures, whether we want to be or not. I think, I think that's right true. About that. And I think yep. it's I think it's true for all the cultures as well. You know, I, yep. I think, um, uh, and 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 a lot of uh, I'm thinking a lot of cultures are saying, "Hey, we, we if we don't remember our history, you know, I'm thinking uh, of, of black culture at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. If we don't remember our history, we we are we're going to forget who we are and, and how we've gotten to where we are, and that's that's potentially dangerous." Right. Well, we have to remember our history, not the not the one that somebody else gave us. Well, that's that's exactly right. That's and exactly that's, right. And clearly, that's one of the one of the things that I think is is valid in terms of blindness culture because I think there that that in our past there's are an awful lot of people who told us who we were. I, well, and, and that's why somebody like Peggy Chong um, is so valuable because she she right. really has, has has taken a life to dealing with. She, that's what she does is blind history. And she, she has the whole history of, of, you know, the, not only the condescension and all this stuff that we experienced, but how people got around it and how people yep. became these, these amazing things in the, in the 1800s and the 1700s and the early 1900s to sort of circumvent all this stuff. And I found that absolutely fascinating. Fascinating. I'll, I'll mention to folks that, that on a, a program that you can find as a podcast called in touch today, uh, on on uh, BBC Radio Four, in touch as a program about blind folks in the UK, there was a, a fascinating segment 
um, on uh, an opera that's been written about a blind composer who lived in the 18th and early 19th century, who apparently was, uh, among other things, uh, intimate with Mozart. Um, but, uh, a, but what was interesting is not only was she considered to be a subject for the opera, but um, the, the folks who were producing the opera thought it would be interesting to build audio description into the opera itself. So it's... <laughs> Um, people should go out and listen because I think it's an interesting indication of the intersectionality of cultures and, and creating a set of values that can promote um, a notion of who we are in some very different ways. I'll make one more comment before you, before yep. you, you, you yep. throw, me, throw me out of the room. Yes. Um, and that is this, I know intersectionality is a very hot topic and I know it's controversial and I think it's really valuable. And the reason is just because what you said, there are so many of the issues that, that, that we experience, and I know this because of my work in the diversity and inclusion arena, that we experience that every other or most other subcultures uh, experience in the workplace. And if, sure. we can, if we can, to the extent that we can, sometimes we can't, but to the extent that we can work together on addressing those issues, you know, not being respected, you know, not being promoted, you know, uh, you know all those things, um, uh, be, being, uh, you know, being talked down to all yeah. those things, we're going to be in a much better place if it's, we can work on those issues. It, it's another, it's another whole topic, really, Peter. Because the the question is, and 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 it's come up a lot on lists over the past week or so. You bet. Uh, you know where, where where do you draw the line? Is intersectionality more important? I've always regarded it as being more important, but on the other hand, um, do because we're a low incidence disability group, uh, are we are we in danger of getting buried and having our needs ignored um, if if we become too intersectional? The answer, of course, is yes, we are. Yep. And so yep. is every other group. The thing is, I I think by and large, though, I think the balance, and it's a balancing act, you know. Um, and I we may be, you know, I, I'm thinking about a, a conversation that was on the list. We, you know, maybe we're veering too too much you know, into the, you know, intersectionality piece or maybe we aren't, I'm not sure, but yeah, we do, well, we talk, it, it's a constant tension that we need to manage. It is. Peter, thank you a lot, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. Yep. Appreciate it. Miss Natalie. Um, next we have six zero eight area code ending in um, two one nine. So this is the other Peter. Yes. Two in a row. I was going to say yeah. that. Yeah, um, I I think that that uh, why there is a blindness culture, and that um, I would say that if anyone who has to behave differently um, in order to participate in the dominant culture around them is part of a is is part of another culture, and I think that um, there are a couple of things. I think that there's very definitely a blind humor. And um, and that blind humor is um, is separate from and not always understood by sighted people um, as another uh, foundation of of separate culture. Um, Rod Mikelko in a uh, an interview he's from uh, Toronto um, 
that uh, he that he said uh, most of most of the world of sighted people is proving to other sighted people that they're sighted, and that he cites um, um, S I T E S. Um, um, C-I-T-E-S. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, sorry. That, uh, that, that he cites, um, you know, hairdos, makeup, uh, clothing, fashion, um, all of those things that sighted people do to prove to other people that they're sighted, that blind people can't fully participate in. And that uh, because you can't participate in it, that, that puts you in a different cultural place. Um, huh. So I would say yes. Um, I also think that um, being blind allows allows a world perspective that is different. Certainly, in um, in the world of theology that I spend most of my time in, um, I think that blindness is um, actually an advantage um, because it allows uh, it allows the time to um, spend time with the words by themselves without. Um, having to impose outside images on them, and so that you read read uh, read, read out of the text differently um, than inside people, and so that yeah. you bring you bring a, a different cultural perspective to it. So yes, I think that it is uh, that there very definitely is a blind culture. So if it, I, I, I I'm hearing you say that it's probably a good thing, so. Uh, my last question to you is: What should ACB do to promote it? Um, well, I, I think community has done uh, a great job of uh, promoting blind culture by itself. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that um, um, we, we've had several several uh, comments along the way. Um, I like. I like the idea of um, having having outside outside the community, outside the blindness community, come in to talk about things that are important to the world. Yep. Um, but that I, I think that that there's that uh, there needs to be an interaction to be able to lift up uh, the value of um, the values that we have as uh, said people of. Um, uh, and not allowing uh, the the outside world to say that somehow or other um, that it were were less less important because of the um, the number of people in the in the minority community that we are in. Yep, Peter. Thanks a lot for your call, man. Appreciate okay, it, sir. Thanks. Yep, yep. Miss Natalie. Next, we have. Um, Carla Hayes. Hey, Miss Carla. Hey, how are you doing tonight? I am well, thank you. I wish I could stay for the whole thing. I have a meeting in a few minutes, but I find this a very, very fascinating topic. Mm -hmm. And yes, I think there is a blind culture, a blindness culture. And I, I would uh, agree with what most people say. I would disagree a little bit with what Deanna said about um, that um, the um, younger people seem to be more accepting. I, I find the older people, the people that, uh, you know, that are maybe our age, um, are more accepting of, of um, you know, people who are blind that, you know, come in and more inclusive that, you know, yep. I've 
interacted with a lot of younger people and I don't find that to be the case because they've been mainstreamed and, you know, they're, they're trying to divorce themselves from it. Um, yeah. I, I tend to agree with you, by the way, yeah. um, a, a lot that, a lot that I see in, or that I saw when I was working with college level kids coming in is, is that they had very little contact with people who are blind and their parents were doing as much as they could to keep them away from blind people. Yes. So, um, but I definitely think there's a culture and, um, you know, I can see a commonality between cultures and national con cultures being a linguist and a person who has traveled to different countries. I can see the commonality when you go and like when I was in Paris, um, I was an American in Paris, even though I spoke French, um, there were certain things I just didn't do like the Parisians. Americans eat differently. They hold their forks differently. I mean, I could go in and and I realized this whole thing came to a head over the weekend when we did the concert for Ukraine. And I invited my um, sighted brother to listen. And um, he, I don't know, he was, he was very negative. He said, um, well, I mean, uh, there are lots of, why would you choose a cause like this? And and it, you know, it just slipped out. And I said, Tom, I have been blind since birth. This is part of my culture. And there uh-huh. are not um, people out there doing things for people um, that are in our situation. And I can only imagine what these people are going through. And of course, I'm going to support it. And he's, you know, uh-huh. and, you know, then I realized that, hey, there is a culture. And it, you know, I was brought to a head to, to defend uh, it. That he really he really didn't get it. He really didn't understand why it was even important. No, he says, oh, we, that, you know, we got to take care of ourselves as Americans and this and that. And I said, yeah, yeah Tom, and uh, I agree with you some to some point, but uh, there's got to be somebody fighting for this cause, too. And I think it was amazing how several different countries, we got together globally mm-hmm. and we did this. I mean, there, there was a magic in it. And there, there's a culture because our brothers and sisters all over the world got together, made music, raised money. And mm-hmm. um, if that isn't a culture, what is? And if any of us are going to understand, even begin to understand an inkling of what a blind Ukrainian might be going through, being displaced, not being able to see, sometimes for the first time, they may have been blinded by the war, all of a sudden in an unfamiliar place, maybe they've lost, they've lost all their access technology, their relatives. I mean, who's not to understand, you know, we understand, you know what I'm trying to say? And sighted sighted people just don't get it sometimes. And there's one other thing I'm going to say that um, it might be controversial, but I am not at all on board with this business of um, the language, the changing language of everything, uh, avoiding the word blind and everything is vision loss. I am not on board with that at all. I'm offended by that because I am blind. I've been blind since birth. And I feel Mm -hmm. like somebody's trying to make me feel ashamed of my identity. And it makes me angry. And it makes me angry when, um, you know, then it almost is like we're being devalued. And so blind and proud. Yes. Blind and proud. I yes, hear and you. I think you know. I, I agree with you. So, mm-hmm. and I and I think this is a fascinating topic. 
I think I, I, I think that at least one of the places where I'm coming from is if there is such a thing as blindness culture, we need to define it. And then we need to sell it to people. Um, I've always I've always thought that one of the one of the things that folks need when they lose their vision is to discover a things that they can do, but more importantly, things they can be proud of. And and um, it it seems to me that that one of the ways that they can do that is by is by recognizing the culture of the of of the community in which they live. We don't do a good enough job, for example, just to take one one instance, of of looking back into the history of blind folks and celebrating those people who've done cool things. Um, and other other groups do a much better job than we do of that. I agree with you. Um, Very good. Thank you, Miss. Thank you, Miss Carla. And thank you for bringing this topic. I'm going to have to go back and listen to the podcast because I'm going to have to leave, unfortunately. But thank you. Excellent. Very good, Miss Natalie. Um, next, we have Robert Acosta. Hi, Paul. Hey, thank you. Hey, Robert. How hey. are you, sir? I'm good. I hope you're good too. Um, yep. I think this is a great topic. John McCann and Carla got to me because mm -hmm. I want a definition of culture because I'm in many cultures. I'm in yep. the Mexican American culture where Christmas, tamales, midnight mass, and the Mexican goodbye, which takes three weeks, hugging and <laughs> kissing each other. That's yep. a culture. And uh, there, uh, and I am not complimented. I try to restrain when someone says, "You want you're you're so amazing." I forget you're blind. I said, "I'm sorry about that." You know, it's, me too. <laughs> it's just, I just don't say, "Oh, thank you, you're so nice." No, they're not. The question yep. is, do we bear a cross of blindness? Yeah, that's that's the thought. I don't know, but we were told in school. I went to a school for the blind busing before busing was law, two hours each way. And we went for six years and we were treated normally. They shoved God in at times. He's watching you. And I really got scared. Be good. And then, and then I, we were a pilot program, 3,300 kids in a, in a ghetto school. I say that with respect. I have great friends yep. out of there with 12 blind people. Okay. And yep. they, there was no preparation. They shoved you into class. Teachers said, I don't want this guy. I'm so yep. old. I came in before affirmative action. They never heard of here. me. Get this kid right. out of here. And I was 12. I said, good, I'll go. And my research teacher said, sit down. You know, <laughs> he's here. And I remember in my science class, the teacher hated blind people, but mm -hmm. he liked me because I could take breaks. I'm going to finish pretty soon because I want guys. Oh, to you're fine. Okay. But, and he always called me the Braille kid, the Braille kid. Yep. Finally, I got the courage to say, sir, I have a name. I have a name. So yep. I told him, and oh, okay, I'll try to remember. And then two days later, I was a Braille student again. But anyway, whatever happens. Then we went to the Marshall High and again, resource. The teachers of the blind got to be educated by ACB. Don't marry a blind girl. Well, I married one, and 51 sure. years later, I'm still standing. She spoils me rotten. I love her dearly. Yep. She's blind. Oh, my God. My parents wanted me to marry a sighted person marry with a car. I said, Mom, you want me to marry a car? You know, and, <laughs> and so forth. So are we, do we have, the question I have is, are we, have we done enough to educate not only ourselves, but should we educate sighted people? They're the dominant culture. 
if, if there was, we were on the Titanic and there was ACB and NFP, the NFP guy would say, I can drive around this iceberg. I'm, I'm equal. Yeah. I can, yeah. the, the, and, and I'm sorry, that person would be thrown in the lifeboat with us, the rest of us. Remember, the owner of the Titanic jumped in too. It, it yep. wasn't just, yep. My point I'm making is it's our world too. Let's go beyond just the blind. And, and, and I, I'm at home with blind people. I'll be honest. And, but yep. let's, let's, it's our world, the whole world. And I am a first-class citizen because I believe it. And that's yep. it. Nobody's got to tell me this. And, and why did I join the ACB? Besides getting kicked out of the NFB, that made it easier. <laughs> but the NFB control, they just had NFB Kool-Aid, NFB cane. Yep. I'm yep. lost. Where are you? Ask your cane. ACB yep. didn't care if you came on a pogo stick or a human guide. They said, welcome. They were yep. non-judgmental. And I yep. found myself feeling so humble and learning a great deal from everybody who attended the convention. I was amazed yep. at what they did. Thank you. Bob, thank you so much for, for, for your comments. I guess, I, I guess the, the, the point that I'm taking from what you say, okay. uh, most importantly, is, is that we actually need to do a better job of, of telling the sighted world who we are and what we are and, and, not, standing, and not standing for the... Oh, what what some people call inspiration porn that's out there that says we're we're wonderful, nice people, and 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 we get petted every now and again. We really need to stand up and be counted and say we're a hell of a lot more than that. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to just make a comment about L.A. City College. You might have heard about it. They passed the the uh, professor said, "I'm giving you no accommodation, no braille, nothing." Sighted guys got print handouts, and it was going through the courts. And the trustees met and the disabled community as a unit lined up against them and they listened and they could have gone to the Supreme Court and messed up ADA good. They did. They said it was unintentional discrimination. And, yep. you know, they voted unanimously not to go to the Supreme Court. We have strength in numbers and the NFP was due to load. No, we have to rally all of our friends cited disabled, blind, together, and we will reach the top of the mountain. Mr. Bob, it's so good to hear from you. Keep keep calling in, man. Nice to Thank hear you. from you. You're very kind. Yep. Yep. Take care. All right. Next, we have um, Sheila Young. Oh, hey, Miss Sheila. Well, I know you. <laughs> just a moment. Your allowed to talk thing didn't work. One second. Hi, Paul. Hey, Sheila. <laughs> I promised I'd be here, and I have been. Yep. And I will tell you, this is such an interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. um, I would say I'm not, my quality is not being blind. And if anyone were to look up the meaning of culture, it would say the quality of a person or society. My quality is not being blind. It's part of who I am, but not one of my qualities, I don't think. <laughs> I'm not sure. But um, I, I have to say, as a, I grew up in a sighted world until I came, moved to Mississippi, and I was able to be involved in some of the blindness world. And then, right. and totally consumed in the blindness world, which I right. love. I love because, as somebody else said, I'm comfortable there. Uh -huh. But I was comfortable in the sighted world as well because that's what I grew up in. 
So when I was growing up in high school, I was told that I needed to go to Staunton School. And I said, uh -huh. I'm not going to the blind school. I'm not blind. So I went to, hang on a second. Alexa, stop. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, and I'm glad I got in because I have to open a room. Um, anyway, this has been such an awesome topic, but... I don't feel there is a blindness culture because if you look at the definition, it's your quality. And so, I don't know. Do you, um, would, would you go back to living in the sighted world if you could? I still do. In, you know, in some aspects of my life. Right. But I love my but, but i would say i would say you know as a proportion of your life you're far more involved in the blindness world now than yes, than, than you were and yes, that and, and, I, and i know that because of all your involvement with community radio and and right. And, right. and your presidency of fcb i'm it's it's uh, uh i i'm i'm not making value judgments no i know um, i know and yeah. you know when i was working i worked in a sighted school with working with low vision blind and disabled children right. Right. you know and all of my coworkers were sighted. So, you know, yep. I have been fortunate to live in both worlds. And, right. you know, I it's a very interesting topic. And what I've been listening to has been amazing. So, congratulations cool. on a great topic once again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Sheila, and thanks for your call. You're welcome. Excellent. Ms. Natalie. So, um, we have Pam Coffey, but I'm going to go because she's already spoken once. Yep. Um, so yep. I'm going to go to area code 617-839. Oh, Massachusetts. Suspense. 617-839. I have asked them to unmute. Six. Yep. Hi. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you read all of my number because it's 0839. Is that the one number you're looking oh, at? I'm sorry. Yes. Sorry. Yep. I just saw You're you. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Hello. My name is Rose Mary Miller, and I'm calling from Massachusetts, and I just wanted to say um, I'm in agreement with some of the things that have been stated, but I also want to say that um, this I termed this and I say, I lost my eyesight, but I still have a vision. And my vision yeah. is to continue to do the work that I do at the job that I do. Um, I love working with the consumers. And even though someone felt that a consumer is not a, a visually impaired person or a blind person, you are still a consumer because you consume goods in the, the world. Yeah. So, uh huh. Um, however, one of the things I wanted to mention is that um, when I lost most of my eyesight, I was working and um, at a hotel, and mm -hmm. I walked outside of the hotel. With, a cane, with my cane, I went to the Carroll Center for, for the Blind, and um, right. that was the only place that I went. I never went to any of the other schools mm -hmm. um, and learned cane skills and stuff like that. So a gentleman was across the street 
where I was uh, working at. And he's yelling across the street at me in in a tone, which is he was just also uh, pointing and talking. Do you know there is a car on the street? <laughs> As though I could read his lips. <laughs> and um, and he was pointing and saying, "Don't cross the street yet because there is a car coming." Well, hello, I am visually impaired. <laughs> yeah, I and I'm not trying to be you know discriminatory to the folks that are hearing impaired. Yep. But I'm deaf. I can hear. Yep. <laughs> I heard yep. the car coming uh-huh. down the street, sir. Uh-huh. So please do not speak to me as though I am deaf. I'm vision impaired. Uh-huh. I'm blind. So yep. again, yes, there is a culture. And there is um, uh, people that perceive visual impaired blind people as deaf all the time. They never... And some people, I'm not saying everybody, but some people just assume because you're visually impaired or blind that you also do read Braille and that you cannot hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they yell at you, right? Yeah, no. they yell. Yeah. Should we be so, promoting blindness culture? Um, I think there is a way to do it without making an assumption. And I think if we do... Um, public service announcements, um, more public service announcements on the visual TV, <laughs> so people yep. understand that um, you don't have to are, yell at blind people. Yeah, right. And <laughs> blind people are people too. <laughs> yep. So yep. Got it. That's that's my my take on this. And so thank you so much for doing this. I uh, was invited to listen tonight, and um, by one of my friends who is also blind. Elizabeth nice. Johnson. So I um, really um, appreciate her sharing this nice. information with you and, and thanks so much for being here. Come back again. I certainly will. Thank you so much. And Excellent. Again, I'm vision. Yep. Got your vision. Got your, your, you're blind, but you have vision. I got that. Miss Natalie. Um, next, we have 501 ending in one second. Nine seven four. Good Natalie evening, is- Paul. This is- Hi there, Teresa. It's Teresa from Little Rock. Hi. And um, do I think there's a blindness culture? Uh, hmm. I have used the term, and I guess the term to me that has come in my vocabulary is um, blind community. You know, when I talk about those of us who like to be around uh, like individuals who Uh share the same experience, who, who we can talk to that Uh quote unquote, get it quote unquote. I used to find myself sometimes, believe it or not, um, people that I would know who worked at, um, you know, the lighthouses or industries for the blind were, most of their coworkers were blind. Mm-hmm. I, I have to find myself being envious of them because they didn't have to explain things to everybody. <laughs> I mean, everybody understood this. But um, whenever I 
work, in my receptionist work, if I have a technology glitch or uh, Jaws wants to um, uh, slow up on me or the whole computer wants to slow up on me or I have to call IT support, I have to sit there and explain, okay, I'm, I'm blind or sometimes I'll just say visually impaired. I can't, um, I cannot uh, see my screen. I have Jaws speech and, and it reads the screen for me. And so they're kind of like, they don't know what to do. <laughs> yep, I hear that. And then, and then when um, I, um, they get a hold of somebody, um, you know, they put in a ticket and they send somebody locally, they'll call on this um, one man who works at the VA who is a partial. Mm-hmm. And he knows about Jaws, and he'll put speech on. And then my coworker who cited, she wants to take over. Like it's her computer, it's her problem. Uh-huh. Oh, you don't, know, <laughs> you don't know how many times I want to say, please go away. Exactly. <laughs> this is my problem, not yours. And you mm-hmm. know, if she's having a problem, I don't run over there and stand behind her chair. <laughs> and get all up into her and the um, IT guy's conversation. That's between Mm -hmm. them, not me. Right. Uh, I get that. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was in college, I had a roommate for a little while who was a partial. I won't say she was a high partial, but she was a partial. And I was, we were informed that there was a night of the week set aside for those of us who were blind or, and or wheelchair users to use the campus pool. And I don't know why I didn't take advantage of it. I'm not sure. Maybe I didn't have a swimsuit on hand. I I can't remember. But anyway, um, she said, well, that's a good thing, but I don't want to be labeled. It's like, uh, you know, I think it's about it was about safety, maybe. Uh, Uh Wouldn't have to worry about other people running up and down the um, walkway around the pool and just (laughs) not not observing any safety con, you know, concerns because you, you know how if we were going into the pool, we were taught, especially if it was an indoor pool, to stay close to the wall and not mm-hmm. to walk close to the edge of the pool or else mm-hmm. for fear we could fall in. You know, we were taught safety techniques, and yep. I think that was yep. why they had that night set aside. Yep. So is um, blindness culture a good, a, a good thing, Ms. Teresa? I think um, it helps us to connect with one another where we can communicate about things, you know, that we get it. For example, I'll call Sandy and let's say yesterday I I received my Braille, I received my Braille memorandum. And so I could ask her that uh, just, you know, straight up. It wasn't a problem. What I've told my sighted coworker that I got a Braille memorandum in the mail yesterday. She probably could have cared less. Maybe, (laughs) (laughs) but did I know? I did not. Um, But yeah, you know, try to explain to them, you know, the strides we have had to make to, um, let's say, um, with the NLS. Imagine 50 years ago, we were, we thought having a tape player was uh, an evolution. You know, it was lighter. We could transport it around. Now we have our victor streams or people can read books on their iphone or yeah hundreds of books on machines yep it's amazing right not to mention what the iphone can also do they can access other books that aren't in bard yep and part of the nls i should say yep 
Miss Teresa, thank you very much for your and call I, and for your views. Right. Yep. I wanted to say, though, um, I'm yes, like ma'am. some others. I feel that the younger generation, um, they are kind of um, they're kind of deprived in a way because, you know, they've been they may not think they have, but, you know, they've been mainstreamed and they um, they haven't had other people that they can talk to and explain things to. If there's a situation going on, they need to uh, talk to somebody that can help Mm -hmm. them. How many of their sighted classmates can really help Mm -hmm. them? We're going to have to send one of their parents can. We're going to have to send next gen out to look out, to look for them, huh? Yes. (laughs) Because I do too. Miss Teresa, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having this topic. Oh, you're welcome. Miss Natalie. All right. Just before, just a quick heads up. It's 847 and you have, yep. okay. 13 sorry. minutes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so next we have um, Deborah Kendrick and I'm trying to allow you to talk. Okay. Miss Deborah. Took me yes, a minute there's... to uh, yep. find find the button, but I did. You did. So, well, um, I guess I'm becoming a Tuesday Topics groupie. That's a good thing. <laughs> it is. So, um, just to set the stage for my joining tonight, and uh, I had kind of forgotten about it, and I was talking to a friend on the phone earlier, and I ordered Indian food via, via DoorDash, and I was nice. all jazzed about my Indian food, and I thought, I need something entertaining to listen to, and then, oh my gosh, it's Tuesday Topics. So I <laughs> put it on, on the Echo, and then I heard the voice of John McCann, and I squealed. I really did, like a little girl, because I was so happy to hear the voice of my friend John, who I haven't seen for quite some time. So anyway, so just had to get that out there. So um, I have been listening to this with great interest, and I have a lot of thoughts, but I think some of them, usually, Paul, you and I are pretty parallel in our thinking, but I think I'm I'm going to diverge from that on, on, on this topic because in one at one point and that is um, I I believe that um, very that very much that there is a blind culture the first time that I uh, saw that term Jennifer Sutton sent out some sort of notice to hundreds of us, probably 20 or 25 years ago, asking the question, is there a blind culture? And I bristled. And I suspect many blind people like me bristled, like, oh, no, 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 no. We're just integrated. We're just regular people. Well, I don't believe that anymore. I I think we, we do have a culture, and I'm proud of it, and I embrace it, and I love it, and I wish I had found it sooner than I did in my young life. But I think that in terms of integrating our culture and who we are into the larger society, we've come full circle in that um, I have a favorite book that I did not find until maybe 20 years ago that I highly recommend called Face of the Deep by Jacob Tversky. And it's he's a blind man who's no longer with us, and I wish I had known the book and known him sooner. 
I wish I could have known, met him. Anyway, he was a blind man. He was an English professor, and he wrote a handful of novels. But this one is about kids at a, at a blind school and probably very, very largely audio, autobiographical. And in reading that, I recognized, even though I didn't have any blind friends except for one until I was in my 30s, I recognized people that I knew in the book, not for real, but the, the various characters, and I envied their closeness, their togetherness. It's about these kids who are all so tight in a school for the blind in New York, but the book does not have a happy ending. And the reason it doesn't have a happy ending is that because blind people in the 40s and 50s did not have a happy ending. And so what I think has changed is that then we had in the middle a whole bunch of us who some went to schools for the blind and some were mainstreamed and went to public school. And sometimes the two met and often not, but we had very different experiences. One from another, I mean, I, I remember when I went, my first exposure to other blind kids was I was forced to go to a program in order to get money for college. And I went to a program at the School for the Blind and immediately there was a split between the kids who went to the blind school and the kids who come from public schools. And that is, I think that's unfortunate. I didn't think it was unfortunate then because I was 17, but now I think it's unfortunate. But what I think's come around is, and here's where we don't agree, you say Young people are not so much in touch. I disagree because today with social media, young people today, they have the benefit of being in school with sighted people, in young work programs with sighted people. But because of social media, they know blind people all over the world. And there were so many of us who didn't know any, but they, they, can be connected with blind people and sighted people. And so I say, let's put the pressure on the young people to run with it, to say, we need to embrace the culture that is ours and we need to run with it and we need to bring others into it. I mean, if you think about, you hear a lot in the media about Latinas, for example, and Latin people, they're not trying to go off and be on the side and everybody who's Latina, Latino hang out together and not know anybody else. Of course not. They're like saying, but this is the part we bring to the rest of you and lucky, lucky you that we're going to share what's so cool about us with you. And that's what we blind people need to do. And that's what I think the young people can do is, is bring in to the larger community those things which make us unique and extraordinary and, and bring it into the larger picture. Well, I, I don't think we're on a different, I don't think we're on necessarily a different page. I, I think if you're correct, um, I would love to see that happen. Um, I, 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 and I don't even know how we would find out whether you are correct or whether you aren't. Um, I think on, only time will tell, but I, I certainly think it's worth our while. Um, to, to, to see if we can find some of those young folks and encourage them to do exactly what you su suggested they should. 
Um, so, yeah, I don't I think, think we're, that, we're that far apart. I think listening to the benefit concert for Ukraine, and I haven't listened to the whole thing yet. You know, there's so much of it, and it's so wonderful. And it, it, if there was ever proof in an 11-hour package that there is blindness culture, it was in that concert. Yep. Right? Like, we all so. came together from all over we the did. world. And, and, and I think... I think that's proof because to me, yes, there were people of all ages. And I remember, you know, hearing I'm Mike Rogers and I'm 81. And I don't know Mike Rogers, but I'd like to because he sounded like a cool dude, you know, and he sure didn't sound like he was any 81. But there were a lot of people like that. But there were also a lot of very young people who were so proud to be blind. And, and well, that's what we I'd need think that's to excellent. embrace. Yep. Miss Deborah, thank you very much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Let's try and take one or two more quick calls. So everybody make your point quickly if you can, Miss Natalie. So we have um, area code 505 ending in 638. Hello. Hello. Um, yes, this is Beth from New Mexico. Hi, Beth. I, um, I do think there is a blindness culture. and. Um, I I was mainstreamed, and I, I loved the schools overseas, but I didn't really care for the schools um, over here, although it was Catholic school, uh, and uh, because the sighted kids wouldn't want to hang out with you, so I I was the only blind child so in the school there. Pretty because isolated, my pretty alone. A high partial, but yep, you got better accepted than I did, but I would find uh, kids with cerebral palsy or um, kids with other disabilities to hang out with. Yep. And that I didn't mind, you know, I got to be in the guitar choir and stuff, but then in ninth mm -hmm. grade, I went to the school for the blind, and I loved it. I mean, it was like yep. they welcomed, I was like an alien from another planet. Mm -hmm. was, Yay, welcome <laughs> home. You know? Excellent. And I really liked it, and and I liked the college I went to. It was a small college. It was a, I, there were a few blind kids there. And, um, but uh, what I didn't like after I uh, got involved with, got married to somebody was um, people, well, how are you guys going to take care of your children and stuff like that? But I won't date a sighted guy from here because that seems like a power grab. The guy, the guy <laughs> my kid's father is Cuban, and he's okay. He sighted, but he's, a, he's all right. Excellent. <laughs> Miss Beth, thank you so much. We, yep. we appreciate your call, but we're going to have to cut it short because we're running out of time. Oh, I know. Thank you, though. Appreciate it, and, and, and thank you for your response. Natalie, how many hands do we still have up? Um, just a moment. We have... Three. Very good. We're probably not going to get to you guys, but thank you so much for hanging in with us. Um, next week on Tuesday Topics, I think we're going to do something that I think is interesting. I'd like to know how people are using technology now. Um, one of the things that I found in looking at myself is I'm spending um, a, a lot of time during the day doing a whole range of things. And I think it'd be fun to talk about what some of those are, 
and also what some of the things that you guys are doing. So talk about your Lady A's next week. Talk about uh, how you might use uh, Sirius XM, how you might uh, use other details, how you use your computer, what you use note takers for. Let's, let's just have a general discussion to see if we can't teach each other some things about how technology operates for us. So I'd like to thank Larry Gassman, who has acted as our, uh, as our streamer this evening. And I'd also like to thank Natalie Couch, who, for the first time, has operated uh, as our uh, hand raiser person. Natalie, thank you so much for being a wonderful host. You did a, oh, did a great thanks. job. Thank you. And appreciate that. And everyone, I think the, the topic that we've discussed tonight is important. Uh, I, I think everybody needs to decide whether blindness culture exists. And in particular, we need to decide if it does what we're going to do to promote it. And I hope we'll all think about that. Good night.